Jesus. Thank you, thank you. Let's yeah, let's lift up a shout of praise. Woo! Amen. 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 Who's leading the children this morning? Can you come to the front? Thank you, Raquel. Um, today we're going to be looking at a very cool story in the Bible, but I'm not going to say anything because we're going to make a, a game first to guess the character we're going to study today. So, um, yes. Lord, I thank you for this morning, Lord. We come to, uh, to you, Father with an open heart this morning, Lord. Let every children, every youth, young people, Lord, come to you, Father, with openness, Lord, and grabbing everything that you have to tell them today, Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Enjoy. <laughs> All right, you can feel free to take a seat or stand up. <laughs> So um, before we start the preach, oh yeah, thank you worship team. <laughs> before we start the preach, Reuben and Sarah want to say something about marriage. So give up, oh, yeah, praise. <laughs> That's fine. So we will be doing some activity like Helena did last week uh, as we are overflown in spirit uh, about marriage. So today, the second Sunday in February is normally celebrated as World Marriage Day. And uh, we are going to complete our 11th wedding anniversary in another 11 days. So we asked, uh, led by the spirit, uh, Jonathan and Helena, whether we can talk about what God has done in our marriage. So the reason why we are here is to talk about uh, what God has done in our marriage. So it's God's heart for marriage. So it's not only we celebrating our marriages, uh, marriage, it's about God celebrating every one of our marriage. So God is looking forward uh, to marriages, to celebrating um, his faithfulness and his truth over marriage. So we thought we would speak uh, the things that God has given in our heart about marriage. Uh, normally, it's looked at um, two hearts coming together called as marriage. But what we are going to see is, what is God's heart for marriage? Uh, it's not about my heart. It's not about what wife thinks about or it's not about what husband thinks about marriage. It's about God's heart for marriage. So when we say God's ha heart for marriage, it's about God's kingdom being established in our marriage. When we say God's kingdom being established in our marriage, it's about inviting Jesus to be the center of our marriage. And it's like this triangle, love triangle or God triangle. It's about God being center of your marriage. And um, when we say God's kingdom being established in our marriage, we inviting Jesus, who is king of king, lord of lord, to be the authority over our marriage. It's not husband ruling uh, the family or wife ruling the family. It's about Jesus being the center of our marriage. Um, also, um, another thing about marriage is 
covenant. So when God established marriage in the Garden of Eden, he established the marriage as a covenant relationship. It's God initiating the relationship between the husband and wife. That is why we had God at the top of this triangle. Because God initiates marriage. It's not we starting our marriage. It's God initiating a lifelong relationship between the husband and the wife. You might wonder why we are carrying this baggage. Um, <laughs> so when we enter into our marriage, we sometimes carry with we enter into our marriage with some of the baggages we had prior to our married life. And what are these baggages? Uh, these baggages ultimately turn out to be other kingdoms which rule our marriage. So it could be various kingdoms for various people. So we will talk about what God has done in our lives. So, so for example, kingdom of the world. So 1 John 2, 15 to 17, we will read what it says. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. So some of the kingdoms, like the kingdom of the world, was ruling our marriage, our family, and our family was about to be broken. But God showed us what is ruling, um, what is about he ruling our marriage rather than these kingdom of the world ruling our marriage so we were running after i i was running after job job was like uh, idol worship for me and uh, it was not um, looking as nothing wrong for me i was just running after money for the family for running the family but god showed us what is important seek ye the kingdom of god all these things will be added unto you not about seeking all the things and then seeking god so similarly there could be other kingdoms kingdom of self so um, according to me, when I entered marriage, I was carrying this baggage of self, like uh, we usually do, like uh, as a wife, I wanted my husband to just love me, send me love messages every minute and think about me always, take me out and speak to me well. So it was about me, me, me in my marriage. In many of our marriage, it was, it's like that. It's about spouse keeping them first. Sorry, it's about me. Uh, the wife keeping her first or the husband keeping him first, not giving uh, first priority to the other spouse. That is the kingdom of self in marriage. But when Christ uh, came, he raised the standard of marriage to be as a husband being like Jesus and wife being like um, church so husband is like jesus he gives jesus gave life for the church jesus gave his blood and everything for the church so similarly god wants husband to be as a royal priesthood um led the family by the word of god and be a protector and covering over the family so that's what uh, the role of husbands and wife what we learned rather than how the world looks like and then uh, it's, it's not about strategies and kingdom of money also rules uh, over marriages and families. So she'll take a 10 pound note maybe. <laughs> so, so, so it's not about financial surplus. Sometimes if you are always seeing financial lack, debt, uh, property issues, running after uh, worldly things, that means uh, uh, those are some of the hints that God gives us that the kingdom of money is ruling our marriage and family. So... 
to earn? What is driving us to work? Is it money which is driving us to work? We all need to ask this question because this is a subtle kingdom that the enemy is trying to get into the lives of God's children. Uh, we do overtimes, we go to job. Yeah, money is of course needed, but the real thing is, how, are we working for money or are we working for God? So when, when Jesus is at, is at the center of our marriage, these things will go away. You, we will enjoy what we do. Uh, sometimes that can be a stressful situation, while, but when Jesus is being at the center of our marriage, the Prince of Peace is ruling our family, so we will have peace. And then sometimes the kingdom of uncleanness and pervasiveness will rule the families. So Ephesians 5.5 5 talks about it. So if we are into any of these things, addictions or um, pervasiveness, then we will not be able to inherit or we will not be able to establish the God's kingdom in our marriage. So uh, even unbelief is allowing other kingdoms to rule our family and um, same-sex marriages, everything. God didn't create two Adams and call them an, as one. So it's very clear. So we want to establish God's kingdom in our marriage and families. Um, sometimes a relationship outside marriage might be encouraged by some counseling, but that is not God's heart for marriage. God's heart for marriage is one husband and one wife coming together in the presence of God any other thing in marriage is impurity and pervasiveness and God is not interested. In fact, God is crying over the marriages to come back to his original plan. So what we did is we are imperfect people. We are not perfect people. We have seen other kingdoms ruling our family. So what we did, we invited Jesus and we renounced um, and repented by the blood of Jesus for allowing other kingdoms to, to rule in our marriage, in our family. And when you do this, uh, you will have, you will be able to experience the Prince of Peace uh, despite whatever situations you are in. And your baggage just goes off in your marriage. Yeah? So our, our prayer for all families and marriages is God's kingdom to be established in the marriages. When we have stronger marriage, God is looking for sanctified marriages, not successful marriage. So when you have strong marriage, you will have strong families. When you have strong families, you'll have strong churches, strong communities, and stronger nation. So enemy's plan is first to attack the core place. But if we are rooted by the word of God and God's kingdom established in our marriage and family, we'll be able to withstand. Thank you very much. That's an amazing message already. But let's welcome Pastor Jonathan as he's bringing the word. <laughs> Thank you. It's great. Um, let's uh, pray initially for the marriages um, that are in this room and the marriages that are going to take place. Um, I'm not sort of looking at anybody in particular, but there are people here who will get married at one point in time. And, you know, we want to believe now that, you know, God will bring his kingdom person for you guys as well. But let's pray for the marriages here. So, Father, I just pray that truly every marriage within uh, the, our family here, Lord, will be one that reflects who you are, that you truly will be center of um, our relationships. Father, Lord, that in every way that 
Oh Lord, we will deny that self and place you at the heart of, oh Lord, a marriage relationship and actually every relationship. So Father, I ask you that for those who are married on this marriage day, Father, I ask you that you will just continue to, oh Lord, bring uh, people closer together. Father, husbands and wives closer into that relationship that you intended um, uh, married couples to have so that you truly will take uh, married couples and their families forward advancing in the way that you have planned and you have purposed. So Father, I ask you that you will just come and place your hand upon every relationship, every marriage relationship. Oh Lord, in the name of Jesus, so that, oh Lord, that will truly reflect, oh Lord, how you intend husband and wife and, oh Lord, sons and daughters to uh, reflect you. So Father, I thank you for married relationships. And Father, I thank you that they will be sanctified by the blood of Jesus today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. And this... There's several things going on in my mind at this moment in time, and um, I, I get excited because there's so many things that God is wanting to do, and there will be something that we're going to be reading in two minutes' time, but I want, just want to read from Romans chapter 6, please, first. And I'm just going to read from verse 1 to verse 14. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a, a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourself dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its evil desires. Do not obey any parts of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and offer every part of yourself to him. As an instrument of righteousness, for sin shall no longer be your master, because you are no longer under the law, but under grace. 
I think that's a, a, an amazing passage of scripture that um, God wants us to really um, sometimes just digest to, to enjoy all that God has given us in the life that he wants us to live. Um, there's a phrase that has been going on in my mind um, all week and it's just a little sentence but it's just really grot me and it's just like it just said are you for real are you for real and you know it, you, you think about that statement it's like what are you getting at lord what what do you mean are you for real and you know when you have a dialogue with the lord when you get into that relationship with him where you can begin to have a conversation, you know, he begins to unfold what that means for him and why he would throw out a statement like that, are you for real? Does anybody have any idea what that means? Any interpretation? Are you being serious? That's, that's very similar to what I'm going to be saying, yes? Mm-hmm. Are you authentic? Sorry? Are you faithful? You see, as, as a believer, in Romans chapter 6, we've just read that we are alive to Christ. We shouldn't be, you know, in a sense, we, we do have to deny ourselves every day. And, and self is one of those situations where we have to ensure that self doesn't resurrect itself because it has been buried with Christ. And if we're going to, in a sense, be real, then it is being authentic. Being uh, able to identify with Christ, people should be able to dissect us, left, right, or whatever, up and down, back way, torso, and they should be able to see what comes out of you and what comes out of you if you have died to your self-life and you have an authentic relationship with God, a real relationship with God, then what comes out of you will be real. It won't be something that would be false. It won't be something that we're making up, but it will be something that other people will identify Wow, you are real. Everything that you do, everything you say about who you are as a Christian, as a believer, no matter what situation that you go into, you always come out with the right words. You always come out with the truth. You always come out with encouragement. You're authentic. There is nothing false in you. What you say, you will do. You know... <laughs> If, if, if sometimes you, you say you're going to be somewhere and you, they're not, is that authentic? Is that being real? If people cut you up, do they get the, the Christ in you or do they get the self in you? And, and for me, this is something that God, I've been working with all week because are you for real? You know that God's trying to say something to us. And, you know, there's another thing that God's been saying to me. is that He says, 
Jonathan, you, you often pray self-prayers. And I said, what do you mean, Lord? I, I'm, I'm always praying for you guys. I'm, I'm always praying for different situations. I'm praying for people to get healed and, and things like that. He sort of said, but my son, he sort of said, often you, you're still concentrating so much about you in the way that you pray. Self is always motivated. You know, you know self-prayers is for England to beat Scotland at the rugby. That's a selfish prayer for Tramia Rovers to get out of the relegation zone. That's a selfish prayer. But there, there's many other places where we pray and, and again, I, it's this, are you for real? And if you are for real, then... We're allowing God to initiate everything in our life so that it's, again, uh, 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 this is this is whole thing about prayer. And, and these are the things that are going on in my mind constantly. It says that when you pray, is the spirit of faith in your prayer? Are you praying that because you've heard something from God or is it a selfish motive? You know, I could pray for healing, and we are going to pray for some people to get healed today, because I believe that's right to do, but it could be coming from a selfish motive, because in one sense, I want to see people healed, and if people get healed, then it may look good for me. So I say, oh, you pray for that person, and they got healed, and it's so, so easy and so subtle to take a little bit of that credit to yourself. So subtle. Yet when God talks about being authentic, being real, God is wanting to ensure that even that spirit of faith, when we're praying for different situations or circumstances, that we're praying in line with what he says, faith working through love is another statement that we throw out and, oh yeah, I I love these guys and what I do is faith working through love. But then when you read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, what love looks like, (laughs) you know, love is not selfish, it's not jealous, it's not envious, keeps no records of wrong. All of these things and then it talks about faith working in that aspect of love. And so if we're going to be real, then we'll make sure that that, all those love things in 1 Corinthians, love things in 1 Corinthians 13, all of those will work through us so then faith can be activated in love because we know that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Hebrews 11 verse 6. We know these things. But you see, if God starts talking about, are you for real? For me, one of the things that I know I've got to do is make sure that my self-life is constantly buried with him. I was baptized in water um, when I was about 21, 22 years old. Um, And I don't know why I waited for so long. But one of the things that, you know, I believe that, you know, many of you have been baptized in this room. And 
for me, being baptized is being submerged in water. Um, if you have had a cross put on your forehead with a little bit of water, God bless you. But I, for one, um, um, believe that baptismo is the Greek word, and baptismo means submerged in water. And there are some um, <laughs> Anglican ministers who actually will really duck the children under the water. But, you know, again, for me, it's something that it says believe and be baptized. And so for me, uh, as a believer, uh, I chose to be baptized and got submerged in water. But when you understand what that means, that's being buried. It's symbolizing a burial that's taken place of your self-life. And you have to reckon yourself as dead in order that we can begin to live in the fullness of what God is wanting to say and do. And so, again, Scripture is full of remembering things that God has already done for you so that you can live in the great things that God is wanting to, to, for us to live in so that we are for real. We're not uh, like a, a shadow. I was, I was going to bring a mirror in with me, but I forgot to bring it so that, you know, people can see your reflection. But whose reflection should they be seeing? Now, obviously, it's your image. It's, it's your face. It's your features. But when people see you, they should really be seeing the Christ in you. How does that manifest itself? That's through your language. By being real in every situation and circumstance. Your yes is your yes and your no is your no. You don't say one thing and do something different. In my book, you, you keep your word. Now, obviously, there's sometimes situations that arrive, but you then ensure that you communicate that situation and don't leave something up in the, the cloud as words that have been spoken, but it's really loose. There's times where, you know, something happens where I've had to go onto the phone. So I'm so sorry I was meant to be meeting you today, but I, something's come up and I can't meet you, but I would like to meet you as soon as possible. Can we rearrange? That's been real. But somebody just leaving somebody in the sort of saying, oh, I promised to come and I'll see you. And then I say nothing and I don't turn up. That's, that's not real, is it? That's not loving somebody anyway. That's not the overflowing life that Helena was talking about last week, where she had on the, on the stage, didn't she, that big bucket, and she was pouring water out of a, onto a cup, and the cup was constantly overflowing. That's the life that God wants us to live. And the words that we're going to all say together are things that I believe that God wants us to identify with. Things that are real that God's given to us as believers already. It's not something that we have to work towards. These are things that God has already established because he's placed his son in you. Uh, 
I believe Jesus is the answer to everything. I'm a simple guy. I, I believe Jesus is the answer to everything. If you need encouragement, Jesus is the answer. You look at Jesus' life and you will be encouraged. If you need healing or provision, or you need, you know, you're getting stressed and, and Jesus is your peace. Jesus is your healer. Jesus is your provider. Jesus is the answer. And sometimes it's so simple that we allow self to rise up, sort of saying it can't be that easy. And I must, I must have to do something to obtain that. Whereas God's sort of saying, no, it's nothing to do with you. It's all about me. What I've already done and all I want you to do is say, yes, I believe in what you have said. Yes, I believe in the truth of this situation or circumstance. Let's read this together. Okay, because all of these are truths. But something happens when I believe that we read them out aloud together. Okay, because we're speaking something out. So we're going to say this together, okay? Okay, after three, three. Today I will overflow with grace because God has blanched.
Isn't that great? As a believer in Jesus Christ, those are yours that you can overflow with today. You don't have to wait until you have got a pass mark. We're not in an exam here. This is something that God has already given to you. When you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he placed all of these gifts within you. All of them. And that's why whatever situation that God takes us into, if we get dissected, these things should be overflowing from our life. Because that is then where we're for real. That's when people sort of say, what you say, what you do, the way you respond, the way you act, is exactly the same no matter what situation or circumstance. You're for real. You say what you mean. As a believer, as a Christian, what comes out of you is exactly the same. Whether there's a storm going on in the office, there is that peace amongst in you. That doesn't mean there's something, you know, that you're really rushing around all over the place, but there's an internal peace because you know that the God of peace lives in you because you have died to yourself. You've been buried with him. And so no longer you don't live any longer. That self-life, in that, like in that triangle that Sarah and Reuben showed us, that self sometimes gets promoted so constantly that we need to continue to drag it down and say, no, I'm not allowing that self-life to rule in my situations or circumstance. I'm not allowing the feelings sometimes or my experience to get in the way. I want to see God come and fully fulfill all of those promises because they are yes and amen in God. It's amazing. Are we for real? And I've, I've asked that about the church here as well, our family. Are we for real? And again, I, I want to make sure that it's not being critical or pointing fingers or anything like that. But I want us as a family to be real so that whoever as a visitor comes in amongst us, they see a group of people who love one another, that they are people full of faith so that faith is working genuinely through love. Genuinely through love. Because faith is one entity. Love is a second entity. But Scripture puts them both together. Faith working through love. So we need to, as a group of people, make sure that if we're going to be for real as a family here, we need to make sure that all those aspects of love are flowing between us. Because when that happens and when we get caught up with what God is saying, that faith and love will come and it will be bound together. And I believe that faith and love, when that works, we're going to see some incredible things in our family here. Because they're not two separate entities. There's some people who have an amazing faith dynamic. They'll speak things out, but 
it says in very clearly in scripture, if there's not reality about that, you're like a sounding gong, a clanging cymbal. But when love and faith work together, but we need to ensure that self gets put aside so that all that God wants to do in our family here, that we truly become a church that is for real. Again, if, if something happens where you will say, oh, I'll, I'll see you next, next week, then we, we intend to try and keep to that. Now, I'm going to see you this week, Tesh. Because <laughs> I, I do. I need to see you, sir. Because I want to keep my word. I want to be for real because it's not just because I want to keep my word. I, I want to show that love. Because love is something that is touchable. Love is not something that is just spoken about. Love is something that is touchable. Touchable. Every one of us, individually but also corporately as the family here, there should be people who will come and, and encourage you, honor you. Because I want us to be for real. In all the situations that you faith you know I, I'm so delighted that we've got representatives from YWAM you know Seagreed is part of the YWAM team we've got you know Beth who's part of Kick, another charity who goes and, and witnesses and, and shares the gospel into schools you know YWAM go everywhere <laughs> um, they're missional in its focus because they want to communicate Christ and, you know, as organizations, I want them to be real. I want them to be able to people come and slice through those organizations and see Christ in them. Because I want them to be for real. You know, there may be other things. We obviously, Church Without Walls on, on a Saturday morning that, you know, we go and help feed the, the, the homeless. It's for real. But love looks like something. Love is demonstrated through something, but without the faith element, there's something still missing just by loving somebody. And so faith comes by hearing what God's saying within that. But when they're tied together, wow, something powerful happens. Are you for real? Are we for real? And I, this, this, this is something that I've been working through myself this week. So it's not something that I'm just saying to you guys. This is something I've been working through. Myself, life. What does that look like for me? My prayers, are they selfish? And I, I've found myself praying in a slightly different way for situations. Uh, um, don't tell my girls this, but I've been praying for their husbands. Okay, for Amy and Mary, I've been praying for the husbands. Now, in part, God's sort of saying that's slightly selfish on your part for different reasons. But God just told me to pray for his will be done in their lives. 
and that the right people will come alongside them on their journey to fulfill the plan of God for them. Very different, subtly different. But because it was a selfish, it, it, may, it may be a longing, it may be a good longing, but it was slightly selfish in the way I was praying for my two girls and their husbands, their future husbands. So God got me to turn it around a little bit and sort of saying, different way, the same with healing. There's, there's, I've got a list of people, not just from this church, but of this p- number of people that I know from my old church in Birkenhead and, and there's another guy in Burgess Hill and another person up in Blackburn that I'm praying for. And again, just subtly, it was just like, Lord, I, I just want to make sure that I'm praying faith in love in this situation. So it's not a selfish prayer within that context. Again, over myself, I'm making sure that what I'm praying is, Lord, I just want to make sure that it's your will in my life, not just because I desire that. I, I, I do, I want to see families, more families here. I believe God wants to do something special within family. And that means all age groups. I long to see husbands, wives, children. Because I believe God wants to do something in London with that age group. I do. I've seen it. I've seen groups of young people coming together for their own conference. And again, it's not just about meetings. But it's about encountering with God who can then bring change into a situation. In Brazil yesterday, and I'm going to be finishing soon. But in Brazil yesterday, there was three stadiums that were full um, uh, there was a thing called Ascend, and it happened in Brazil. It was yesterday where it's going on for 12 hours, and it was just worship, ministry. But the whole idea is that these groups, these people come and get inspired to go. It wasn't just about coming for themselves, but it was coming to encounter God and then God to release them, sending them out into wherever he wants them to go. And there was three stadiums full, you know, in, in whatever capacity. Obviously, there's a whole area that's not used because it's behind the stage. But the three stadium, because <laughs> people wanted to go. But the average age of all those three stadiums was 24. That, 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 that excites me. That there's groups of people. Now, that doesn't say that people of my age that I can retire and allow all these 23, 24-year-olds to just get on with it. So Martin and Sue, you can't retire yet. But it is saying that, I, guys, this, this is about the church together. But it is got to be a group of people who, it's faith, hearing what God's saying through active love amongst us, that we are real that we are for real, individually, also corporately. That constantly we go back to that scripture in Romans 6. Yes, I identify with being crucified with Christ. I identify that it's no longer my life that matters. I've been buried with him. So the life that I now live is for him and for his purpose. 
it's a fantastic place to be because you understand that the person in you, Jesus Christ in you, is greater than anything that the world can throw at you. Anything that the world can throw at you. Whether it's a health challenge, it's a financial challenge, a family challenge. It could be any one of those things. But God is bigger. The person in you is greater than any one of those obstacles. Sometimes we have to go over the obstacles. But he still is the greater person in you than any obstacle that is in your way. He always will be if we allow him to be. In, and that's in our mind. He is always. But it's our, line, our minds are lining up with what he has said. That's why today the overflowing life is so, so important. If we could please stand. Thank you, Father. If there's anything that I've said this morning that I believe the Holy Spirit has said through me, that you know that you just need to quickly put right with the Lord.